These are the words of our Lord Jesus from the 25th chapter of Matthew. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you were blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Gospel of the Lord. We set ourselves up as Christians, or shall I say we're set up. And that is there's a lot of really good things we're supposed to do that we mm, don't always do. And so sometimes um, the criticism is justified that Christians can be hypocritical, talking the talk on Sunday but not walking the walk on Monday. Anybody ever heard that before? We set ourselves up. We, we are set up to be accountable. So if I'm going to read a Bible reading like that, or if I'm going to be bold enough to say that love is why we are here as our slogan as a church, well, we better be accountable to that. You can't just say it. You have to live it. You can't just talk it. You have to, to walk it. We're given hands and feet for a reason. And it's not just to take care of ourselves. It's to use them to go and take care of others. And I believe more than anything else, Christians out of this pandemic are going to be judged less by how pure our Words and theology might be, even less about how perfect we are, which is evidently a bad point of evaluation for us, then what Christians are going to do for the least of these, for the most of these, for any of these, what Christians are going to do coming out of this pandemic with newfound freedom, sure, to do all the fun stuff that we've missed, but also do the stuff that needs still to get done, which is to love our neighbor. And that's the theme today for us is to, to take this as a moment in time to rededicate ourselves to leaving this place and showing the world that love is indeed why we're here and love is why we're there and there and there and there and there. We have some incentive to do so because it comes from Jesus, our Lord, the judge. And, and I never really enjoy the image of Jesus as a judge. I like the Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so image of Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that. But today we get an image of Jesus that is of a judge. And, and, and maybe that's not so bad because we do want to know that there is somebody, right, Sergio, that de decides between right and wrong. 
I mean, we need something. We, good and evil, light and darkness. Pepsi and Coke. I mean, we need somebody to you know, decide for us. And, and we follow the one who's a judge. It, it, it's also important for us to know that the evil in this world that we can't seem to grab a hold of, he will judge it. He'll take care of that if we take care of our part. Jesus comes in this story as a king to judge. And that's something we should take seriously. Because we love him. We want to be on the right side of his judgment. Now let me be clear. When he comes to judge in this story, it's a little different than might first be apparent to you. This is the the great judgment. The final judgment scene in Matthew's gospel. It's the 25th chapter. He's been working all the way to this point. And and let's be clear that we see this scene um, very much not as the judgment of our salvation, but rather of our sanctification. What do I mean by that? I mean that um, this is a judge that calls you to the bench for sentencing and says, you have committed heinous crimes, Andy Hagen. Mason Daniel. And you deserve the punishment that I'm going to give you. But instead, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my robes off. I'm going to take um, uh, a walk around the bench. And I'm going to take your sentence. And you're free. You're free. To go again. To go and try again. To go and and love again. To go and and do your best again. Whatever it might be. But I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. He takes it all the way. If there's any question of whether he takes it, look to the cross. There's where he takes it. Our salvation isn't up to us. It's up to him. But here's the thing. Once it's been given to us, once the sacrifice is made for us, what do we do about it? That's sanctification. What kind of life do we live that shows like an overwhelming sense of joy and gratitude for what's been done for us? Well, that gratitude first turns to him. What would you think about a judge that took your penalty? You would honor them. You would love them. You would be grateful to them for the rest of your life. Amen. That's the Christian life. And maybe you'd do something about it. Maybe you try to show the same kind of love to the next person, right? The next person that comes along that needs your mercy and grace. The next person who is thirsty, hungry, sick, or in prison. The judge takes our punishment so that we can be his hands and feet in the world, loving. Not worried about what we can't do anything about. Because it's already been done on the cross. But instead worry about something we can do a lot about, which is to love our neighbor as ourself. The defendants, um, I want to be clear, are not every single person on earth. What do I mean by that? The defendants are clearly people who know Jesus. This is a message not to the whole world, but to you and me who know Jesus. Know him a little, know him a lot. We're not going to bring in the people that have never heard of him or don't understand him or never have any concept of Jesus. We're not going to talk about them right now. We're talking about those who do know him, who can talk to him, who can actually communicate as they do in this story and say, I know you. I know you. Sure I do. 
But where's the burden? If you know me, then what are you doing about it? If you know me, then, then shouldn't something change? <laughs> shouldn't the fact that you know me be evident to other people? Like, because you're like nicer and kind and good and faithful? Let's be clear, it's not hard to tell sheep and goats apart. <laughs> it just really isn't. In this story, goats look out for themselves, just themselves and only themselves. In this story, sheep look out for others all the time. It's not that hard to sort out. We're not called to be the judges. It's not my job to sort that out, thank goodness. I don't know what's in anybody's heart. But God knows. God knows the hearts that are open and God knows the hearts that are closed. Not talking about the ones who don't know him. I'm talking about the ones who know him. Who know him. And the ones that know him are, are say something like um, my mom would say to me when I said, but the neighbor kids can do this. And my mom would say, but that's not how we do it in our family. That's not how. No judgment. But that's not how we do it in our family. We love everyone. That's our job. It's not easy. We serve everyone. We didn't ask for your cards when you walked in to see if you'd been vaccinated. We are here for everybody. That's how we do it in our family. We're not too good about barriers and walls and judging and criticizing and all of that. You can tell the sheep pretty easily. The sheep of the person, when they hear that today is the last day on earth, bake cookies to take them to the widow down the street and sit with her until that time comes. That's the sheep. They just do that. They want to do it. It's no burden. It's fun. It's great. Because it's the Jesus way. The grounds of the uh, trial here are very interesting. Again, when, when the people come for judgment, the sheep and the goat, Jesus doesn't give them a catechism quiz. Do you know how to explain the Holy Trinity in 14 hours or less? No. It's good to know those things. No doubt about it. Is it about the, the moral purity of the sheep or goat standing in front of them? Well, moral purity is a very good thing. But that's not the basis of judgment, is it? Is it how often you go to church? Yes. Is it how much you give to the church? Yes. Just kidding. Of course, those aren't the criteria that are brought before us today. Those are just the things that flow out of people who are grateful to the one who got them where they are at and who gives them that innocent verdict. It's just the, the, the natural flow. And if it doesn't flow, it doesn't flow. But when it flows, it's good. What is the grounds in this judgment? Did you love your neighbor? Did you love your neighbor? Did you love 
your neighbor. The ones who don't get it in the story, the goats, um, again, we're not going to judge them. That's up to God. But what appears to be the case, and, and sometimes I'm in this category too, of course, it is that I'm wearing a certain kind of glasses. You, some of you probably invested in the blue blocker glasses since you're staring at Zoom screens so much, you know, try to protect those eyes from the UV. The guilty are the ones that go through life with glasses that filter out the needs of the world, that filter out the, the, the brother or sister who's hurting, that, that, that filter everything out except the things that make them happy and comfortable. They're guilty of leaving the glasses on instead of taking them off. We can be raised with those glasses on. After all, we do need to take care of ourselves. It would be terrible to completely neglect yourself. That's why it says love your neighbor as yourself. But nevertheless, we have no permission to leave them on. We have no permission to leave the glasses on that filter out those things that are distressing or problematic. I don't want to hear any more about it. It's not a Christian response. It's my brother's keeper. My sister's keeper is our response. I am my brother and sister's keeper. And no matter how much they worship and how much they read and how much they know and how much they give, if they leave the glasses on and don't see their neighbor, like Paul says, it's a clanging symbol if we don't have love. But the, the guilty can't see. Uh, it's very interesting, isn't it, that Jesus did so many miracles for blind people? Never gives up on us. Always there to, to give us the bravery and courage and the commitment to see the needs, to look around and actually respond to them. But who are the innocent? Whoa. The innocent are those who see. They see him. As the movie says, I see dead people. I see, I see him. There he is. There he is. There he is. Pastor Rich taught us a great lesson with his benediction that I always try to remember. His benediction that he used to give all the time. May the Christ who walks on wounded feet walk with you to the end of your road. See, he suffers with us. May the Christ who serves with wounded hands teach you to serve each other. The hands that reach out to serve are ones with scars in them. May the Christ who loves with a wounded heart help you to live, to love each other these great words here. When you go out, may you see the face of Christ in everyone you meet. And may everyone you meet see the face of Christ in you. What a wonderful world it would be. The innocent simply are those who see, who look, who, who don't avert their gaze to the needs around them, but rather say, how can I serve? How can I, who have been blessed by the servant who came to serve Jesus Christ, be more like him. The verdict. We have work to do. We have an opportunity ahead to leave this place as people incredibly blessed by the gift of Jesus Christ's love, unrelenting, unending love for us that's going to be so clearly shown in the baptisms of babies who can do nothing to deserve this 
and yet we'll receive it. We'll receive it from a loving God. I know you parents don't think that anybody can love your child more than you do. But you're wrong. God does. God does. And he's ready to do whatever you need to have the strength to love. And and something more. The strength to be a good example. The strength to be a good example. Because if anybody's going to learn a life of selflessness, they're going to learn it from their parents. Not from a sermon. They're going to see you who are looking out for the needs of others. They're going to hear what you say about others. They're going to follow your steps. They're going to watch you and see how good it is to serve, how blessed it is to give, how it is nothing but sheer joy to follow the servant wherever he may lead us, and especially as he leads us out. So I encourage our parents to take that part seriously. We're going to help you with all the, all the doctrine you need, the Bible stuff you need. But let us help you be the example. Let us all be the example they need so that they too may hear, blessed are you. You saw me and you loved me.